Hello. Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. everybody's face this morning who's here. Praise the name of Jesus. All right, so let's go into the Word today. Book of Hebrews. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to tie this with, with the scripture that I read earlier in Exodus, but we want to take our text from the book of Hebrews chapter 12. The book of Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, beginning at verse number one. Hallelujah. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. I'll stop right there. All right. I want to talk about staying impassioned in the struggle. Staying impassioned in the struggle. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the name of Jesus. So we do a, a pastor's call on, on Tuesday night, uh, and this past Tuesday night, uh, Dr. Barr, as we were coming to the point of, of sharing our prayer request, um, he, part of his prayer request was to pray about how he could remain or stay impassioned in the struggle without burning out. Yeah, and, and when he said those words, I wrote it down. And it stuck with me and stuck in my mind, stuck in my spirit. And, and, and since Tuesday, I've been, I've been reflecting over this. How do we remain impassioned, not just him, but how do, do we, and not just us here uh, in this parking lot, not just us listening uh, to this broadcast. And we'll have to share this with other people. But, but how do we, how do we, in the midst of this struggle that we're going through, through for racial equality and for justice and equity in society and, uh, and for decent humanity being treated like human beings. How do we remain impassioned in this struggle? And, and when, when Dr. Bob mentioned this, he referenced, he referenced the burning bush Moses, uh, that Moses saw in the desert there uh, in Horeb or Sinai. He, he referenced that burning bush and, 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 um, and, and so I, wa I wanted to 
as I, as I meditated on that and prayed about that, uh, I wanted to look at that burning bush and, and think about that burning bush and find, um, find some, some, some answers, find some direction in the scriptures that will speak to us about how we can remain impassioned in this struggle. Uh, and, and we know that this is not just uh, something that's happening in the United States, but as we've seen, it's a worldwide struggle. Uh, because of the injustices that have been leveled against people, and as in particularly, in particular against black people, against brown people around the world, and as you read, um, many times, and I, I and I'm not I'm not saying these things to 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 throw a stone at anybody, but just to speak the truth in love. Many times. Um, at the hands of, of white supremacists uh, or at the hands of racist governments, uh, at the hands of evil people who don't care about others, who only care about power and greed and domination. And we have to see these things. And in and, and, and our generation, because many times we didn't live, we, none of us lived back in the early days of America, uh, we didn't see these things ourselves. Our parents told us about things, but but history also tells us. History also tells us the things that that has happened in the world, as as one group of people dominated another group of people. As I was reading that account about Christopher Columbus, and of course we know that he didn't discover America. People were already living here in America. Uh, uh, but when he came and, and that group of people in the, in the Caribbean, uh, he found them. One of the comments he made about those people was that they were loving people. They were welcoming people, but they saw an opportunity to dominate and to take the wealth, to take the gold. And so they wiped out an entire people group, took some of them as slaves to Spain and wiped out um, the rest of them. You know, we see this history. History tells us these things, and 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 history keeps speaking. So we must keep speaking. Amen. We have to keep speaking. This is not a time to be silent. This is not a time for our children not to hear what has happened to us, to our ancestors, and to other peoples around the world. That does not honor God, that does not please God. Amen. Amen. So as I thought about this over the course of the week, as I said, I wanted some support from scriptures for, for an answer or for some guidance uh, for people who may be already burning out. Hopefully you're not. People who already may be slowing down or people who already may be losing steam. And in particular, for those of us who don't want to lose steam, for we've seen this before. We've seen movements start, causes start, people getting passionate about something. And as, as Jonathan wrote in this article, then after the next cause comes along, they forget about that cause and they go on to the next thing. We don't want to see this happen in this movement that we're seeing taking place around the world. We believe that this, this is the right time. We believe that this is, that God is in the midst of this. And, and even, you know, it, it does grieve my spirit to hear some of us uh, uh, say 
in the Christian community that we should not be speaking out, that we should not be calling out injustices, that we should just pray and, and let God fight this battle for us. It grieves me that people can be so, and I'm going to use this term, they're duped by people who don't want to see these things happen. And they, they buy into that philosophy. So they say, just pray, just pray, just pray, just pray. Uh, but as you'll see as we go into this message, faith without works is dead. Very dead. Somebody say, very dead. It's so dead till it stinks. It's rottening. It's putrefied. It's disgusting. And when you tell me just pray and don't speak up and don't speak out, you are disgusting. Amen. Because that is not what the scripture says. So if you come on my Facebook page and tell me just pray, I want you to know already, you are disgusting. You're disgusting, you're disgusting, you're disgusting. So as we look at the scriptures, yes, you're disgusting. Amen. As, as we look at the scriptures, amen, we see that life is a struggle. All right? We are engaged in a battle every day of our lives. Amen. Scripture speaks to us about the spiritual struggle that we're engaged in. Paul says, finally, in Ephesians 6 and 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. This scripture speaks of spiritual struggle. Of the spirit of the spiritual struggle that we're engaged in, uh, and that we must engage in until the end of time or until the Lord calls us home. We must endure in this struggle. We must stand and having done everything else that we know to do, amen, even having exhausted all of our strength, we must stand. We cannot quit. Amen. What we are wrestling with, and I hope you're hearing these action words, what we are wrestling against in the spiritual struggle are principalities, are powers, are rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That's what we're really wrestling against. Now, when you look at this, the physical struggle that we're engaged in mimics the spiritual struggle, racism, racial, racial inequality, injustice is rooted in the wickedness of the hearts of people, in their will, in their, in their minds, in their affections, in their emotions. Satan has entrenched this wickedness in their hearts. It's part of our psyche. And, and listen, listen, and this is important because this is not going to go away. This is not going to go away. Thank God for people who are listening, people who are hearing our hurt and our pain, okay? 
Thank God for people who are, who are paying attention now. But as much as we come together, this is not going to go away until Jesus comes back and defeat Satan and all of his all of his demons and cast Satan and all of his demons and everybody that's following him in that lake that burns a fire and brimstone. But we cannot stop in this fight. Yeah, we cannot do it. We cannot do it. So as 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 that wickedness is leveled against the peoples in this world, it's our responsibility to stand against it to speak against it, to engage in the struggle as long as we are on the face of this earth. The only time you are exempt is when you die. Amen. Again, I know that people say, just, just pray, just pray and trust God. Let God fight the battle. Let God fix it. But James says, faith without works is dead. Paul describes this as an active struggle. It is an active struggle. It is not a passive struggle. It is not. And I know people who are, who, who are super spiritual will say, well, when I'm praying, when I'm warring in the spirit, I'm actively fighting. But Jesus didn't just pray. He didn't. He called Herod a fox. He called the scribes and Pharisees empty tombs. He stood up against racism. He stood up against prejudice. Jesus did it. The Bible speaks against this. All you got to do is Google what the scripture says about injustice in the world. Just, just, just Google it. And you find all of these scriptures about injustice. I know you're not going to just go and get a concordance and look today. But Google. That's, thank God for Google. You don't even have to Google. Just say, Siri. Hey, Siri, what, what does the scripture say about injustice? It's so easy. And Siri will find all of these scriptures. <laughs> Thank God for technology. Thank God for technology. So this is an active struggle. Paul describes the enemy waging war against the saints, and Paul challenges the saints to dress for battle and engage. He doesn't say sit down. Okay? And he doesn't say just pray. All right? All right? Now, no, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. All right? They are divinely empowered for pulling down those strongholds. But listen to what Paul says. Paul says, we are to arm ourselves and engage ourselves with truth. And if I have truth, what do I need to do with truth? I need to speak the truth in love. That's what the Bible says. All right? Arm ourselves and clothe ourselves in righteousness. So if I'm clothed in righteousness, then I stand against unrighteousness. We are to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Which means then, that I am to walk in peace and I am to speak this gospel. I don't have this gospel just to read it. I don't have this gospel just to apply it to myself. I am a proclaimer of this gospel message. You are a proclaimer of this gospel message. So we proclaim, this is active. 
This is active. Is that not active? When you're speaking, you're doing something active. More than just praying. Somebody say more than just praying. Say it loud. Say it louder. Get on your Facebook page and say more than just praying. And rebuke anybody that gets on your page and say, just pray. God will fix this thing. He says we are to, we are to put on the shield of faith. We're to have the shield of faith. We're to have the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Why am I going to have the word if I don't speak the word? If I can preach about adultery, if I can preach about fornication, if I can preach about addiction or preach against addiction, I can preach against injustice. Are you listening? Are you listening? If Jesus could call Herod Slewfoot, you put the rest to it. Don't tell me. Well, I won't make this personal. Amen. All right. So, 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 we must speak. Then Paul says pray. But pray is not at the top of the list. All right? Prayer is included in what we must do. But it is not all that we must do. And then Paul says be watchful. All right? Be watchful. So, you know, as we're going through this struggle, we got to be watchful. You know, we have a saying, and I don't know whether this is cross-cultural, but I know that it's in the black community. It says, every goodbye ain't gone. Every closed eye is not sleep. I not, may not be quoting it right, but you know what I mean. You know, you've heard that saying? Yeah. Yeah. So everybody that says they're with you are not with you. So be watchful. Be watchful. Even in our own community, as we engage in the struggle, we have to be watchful because everybody does not have the same purpose. Amen. Everybody doesn't have the same purpose. Everybody does not have the same focus. Everyone doesn't have the same perspective. And as born-again believers, it's critical that we have the right perspective as we fight in the struggle. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so, so we have to be watchful. Uh, this enemy on both fronts is diabolical. He's diabolical on the spiritual front. He's diabolical on the physical front. He is diab- So we have to be watchful. Amen. We have to be. We have to be watchful. Evil is his very nature. Okay. All right. He's been doing this since the beginning of time. Satan is very crafty, very crafty, very crafty. So don't think that just because all of these statues are coming down and the Confederate flag is being taken down and, and people are rising up and people are saying, we understand your hurt. We, we, we see your hurt or help us to understand your hurt. Help us to understand your pain. People are listening more. Don't think that the evil one is not sitting down strategizing already for a comeback. You know what I thought about? I thought about this. I thought about how when, 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 when Barack, President Barack Obama ran for office and how all of these people just rotted behind him. 
you know, and across America, it was a wave. I mean, I mean, he won the election, you know, just, just overwhelmingly. But after, after, after a few years, the support started waning. And some of the same people who were for him in the beginning began to back away from him as time goes on. And Satan played the church. Satan played the church because, listen, and, 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 and I, I want to say unequivocally that I support the biblical stand or standard for marriage. Okay? But we forget that we live in an American we live in a democratic society. Okay? The church is not the only voice in the society. And the church has dishonored God so much in our practices, in our ways, the things that we've done, that, that just because we don't like uh, 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 the, the, the gay and lesbian movement, now we rise up and we fight against that. When we didn't fight against racial racism and inequality, and when we enslaved people and we treated people in, uh, uh, as less than him, we didn't fight. The church didn't didn't fight against that. But now, the the, the, the evangelical church in particular, we rose up with this this what they call righteous indignation because Barack Obama signed into law gay marriage not realizing that in this America, in this United States of America, it was going to happen anyway. In this United this ungodly United States of America, it was going to happen anyway. And people deserve their rights. People deserve their rights. They're human beings, whether you like it or not. God will separate the wheat from the tares. Satan played the church. Satan took advantage of the church for political purposes. You can never legislate righteousness. Never. Never. So if you're going to put laws in place to discriminate against one group of people, you need to put laws in place to discriminate against all groups of people. Yeah. Now, I know that's not a populist thing for a preacher to say, but, but we have to realize that, that we're not as righteous as we seem here in this United States of America. People demonize President Obama just for that one fact. Black people who say, have said, oh, he didn't do enough for black people. You're going to come into a system that is hundreds of years old. Where, where, where racism is entrenched, and in eight years, you expect one man to change the whole system? How foolish is that? Somebody was on my page a few weeks ago and brought out Barack Obama, and I said the same thing. I said, leave him alone. And then they talked about some of our uh, civil rights leaders who were speaking against him. I said, people who live in glass houses should not throw stones. Don't be throwing stones at him when you live in glass houses. You may have forgotten your history. You may have forgotten your past. You may have forgotten your dirt. You may have forgotten your... Anyway. Amen. 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 This, this, this thing is entrenched in American society. Satan is diabolical. Satan is crafty. 
And so in the hearts of evil people, he's already working to counteract what's happening in the United States of America. Okay? He knows what he's doing. We have to know what we're doing. And we cannot win in this struggle if we're not clothed in God, who is all wise, who is all knowing, amen, and who loves his creation. The difference in one of the differences in God and Satan is that Satan hates God. So Satan hates you and me. God loves us. God loves us. God loves you. God loves me. Everything God does will be for our good. Even as Paul says, if he has to chastise us, he does it because he loves us. He wants us to, to demonstrate the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Amen. So even if he has to chastise us, he loves us. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, 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 so this struggle is about endurance. We have to endure. We have to endure. And we hear these words several times as Paul writes. Amen? Um, um, we, we can't endure and we can't win if we're not dressed in God's armor. All right? And, and we, do not, we cannot win if we don't have righteous indignation. Righteous indignation. What is, righteous what is righteous indignation and where does righteousness come in or righteous indignation come in? And I, and I think this is what some people struggle with because the Bible says be angry and sin not. So we get angry, but we don't want to sin. All right? But do you remember when Jesus went into the temple? Yeah, you remember the account. You weren't there, but you read it. Amen. <laughs> and they had turned the court of the Gentiles into a marketplace. And they were selling, and they were not, not only were they selling, but, but they were cheating the people. And it was it was led by the, by, by the scribes and the Pharisees, by the religious leaders. Jesus was angry. And he overturned their tables and he took and he drove them out of the temple. He was angry, but he didn't sin. Righteous indignation. And I want to tell you that, 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 that righteous indignation focuses our energy in the right direction. Amen. Righteous indignation is the anger that Jesus displayed in that temple that day. Some Christians believe that righteous indignation is the only anger that is not sinful. Even though Jesus turned over the temples, I mean turned over the, 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 the money changers' tables and drove them out, he didn't sin because they had no business being there anyway. What does Jesus say? My house shall be called a house of prayer. So as we are angry and we rise up against uh, establishments and against institutions and against people who have treated people unfairly and treated people inhumanely and we turn over things, we've not sinned. We've not sinned. We've not sinned. We're angry, but it has to be righteous indignation because people are not only sinning against us, they're sinning against the holy God. And who should you be standing up for? Standing up for the holy God. Yeah. 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 
So, so we have to see this evil that's leveled at people against people whom God has created in his own image and his own likeness. Amen. We have to see this as evil that's been leveled against other human beings. We pointed out to you last Sunday that, that, that and, and it may not necessarily be the case in a lot of people's minds, but when you start, if you never looked up the alt-right, you need to look up the alt-right. You need to find out what the alt-right is, okay? And, and you, need to, you, need to, you need to see what's happening in America, okay? Because our president had people in the alt-right in his cabinet. And there are people who are a part of the alt-right movement who are in churches around America and basically believe that this is their land, their country, and nobody else has the right to be here except them. They need to preserve their whiteness. Look it up, you know. You know, Hosea did say, my people are what? Destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. And sometimes people that are smiling in your face, shaking your hands, calling you brother and sister, in their hearts, they don't believe you have a right to be here in America. Go back to Africa where you came from. I, I didn't come from Africa. You brought me from Africa. Oh, you brought me here. You brought my, my great, great, great ancestors here. And then, then your white brother laid with my black great-great-great-grandmother and fathered a child. So my black great-great-great-grandmother was good enough for this white man to lay with, but we're not good enough to be here in America. I, I didn't get, I'm not as light as some people, but I didn't get my light complexion because I came from West Africa. If I come from West Africa, I would be B-L-A-C-K for real. But there is mixture in my blood. Come on now. Yeah. So we've got to be angry. We, we've got to be angry because of what's leveled against God's creation. And this is what we have to see, that all of us are created in the image and likeness of God. And this even speaks to those of us who may have hatred in our hearts against our white brothers and sisters. Because all of us are created in the image and likeness of God. I cannot hate someone because of the color of their skin. And then I do not hate the person. I hate the actions. I hate the one who is behind the actions. I hate the devil. Satan himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so what the question is, what will keep the fire burning? There's a fire that has started. There's a passion that people have today. What's going to keep this, this burning? What's going to help us continue this process? And I, and I pray that, that, that at whatever place you are in society, in the world, that you have made up your mind that you're going to fight for justice and equality for all people 
in the United States of America and around the world. You know, we have a habit of saying that America is the leader of the free world. <sighs> Again, history speaks. Again, history speaks. I can't give a whole history lesson today. But I was just reading the other day of how our government toppled other governments for the sake of business interests. Go to Guatemala. I think it's Guatemala or Chile, one of those South American countries. Yeah. Our government just went in because, because of the sugarcane plantations and the nationalistic movement there in that country. And it did not benefit the wealthy plantation owners in America. So they toppled the government so that they could have a government that was more favorable to their interests. And it has happened around the world. It's happened around the world. Now let me talk about the missionary movement again. How we went in, how Christians went in, how Christians devalued Africans and their worship and made them westernized. So there are some churches you go in in Africa and they're singing the hymnals. They become civilized. Yeah. So you have to civilize the savages and you have to teach them the English and the, and, 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 and the Dutch and, 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 and the Portuguese and, and what, what, what are some of the other colonistic countries? And the French, yes. Francophone countries in Africa. And you teach them your form of worship because the way that they worship is, is, is heathenistic. You don't go to church and dance all over the place. You know, dancing is in our blood. You know, it's just, it just comes natural to us. When we hear a song, we just start moving, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us may not be so coordinated, but, you know, you know we'll, we'll move to a song, and it's, 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 it's in our nature. And so when you go to Africa and you go into the, into the churches in the rural areas, now even in the cities, dancing is a real part of the worship experience. Emotions is a real part of the worship experience. Because even in Africa, people have been oppressed. Even in Africa, people have been enslaved. Even in Africa, people have been taken advantage of. So what's going to keep this passion burning? First of all, I want to look at this burning bush. I want to go back to this burning bush that Moses saw on the far side of the desert. If you read the King James, it says the backside of the desert. But if Moses is on the eastern side, then really he's speaking of the western side of the desert. And it, it just makes it simple to say on the far side. That was the way they talked, on the backside of the desert. That means Moses had to go a long way to get where he went with those sheep. Okay? Probably because there wasn't enough grazing land where he was, a good grazing land where he was to graze his sheep. So they would, they would travel different places and the shepherd would take their sheep different places. Sometimes when I'm in Africa in certain places, I see the young boys out with the cows and they're not in pastures in the daytime because they're looking for grazing land. And so they take their cows wherever they can find grazing land. 
So Moses goes to the, to the far side of the desert, okay? And, and the Bible gives us this account of Moses. Uh, how am I doing with time? I'm good. Thank you. Praise the Lord. So, so the Bible gives us this account that, that Moses, uh, he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. Angel of the Lord is just another way of saying God appeared to Moses. God appeared to Moses there in that bush. And Moses looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. It was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight why the bush did not burn. And when the Lord saw, and when the Lord saw uh, that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Then the Lord speaks to Moses, okay? So what happens here, to be faithful to the scripture, is actually a theophany. It's what's called a theophany. It is a God experience. Moses had an encounter with God in that, on, in that, day, on that day in that desert. He encountered God, and, and we never encounter God without a purpose. God always has a purpose. God wants you to encounter him. God wants to have an encounter with you and with you and with you because there's a purpose on your life. There's things that you need to fulfill that you will not fulfill without this God encounter. Okay? So what Moses saw that day was that the bush was burning and it didn't burn up. It was a strange sight for Moses. Who, who, Moses would have been very, very familiar with, with these bushes burning because you think about deserts and at night it gets cold, so he would have to make fires to keep warm. I mean, he couldn't, he didn't have a barn to put them in. They were out in the natural and in, 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 uh, traveling from place to place to find grazing. So he sees this bush. He, he knows that if a bush is burning, it's natural for the bush to burn up. But this sight... The, Moses, the bush didn't burn up. And the angel of the Lord speaks to Moses out of the bush. So now you know God was in that bush. It wasn't just the flame. It was God in the bush. If we are to remain impassioned in the struggle, God has to be in us. God has to be in us. The bush didn't burn up because it wasn't just the bush. God was in the bush. If God hates injustice, if God hates the imbalanced scale, if God hates when people are treated, are dehumanized in society, then God is with those people. And if God lives in you, his, he lives in you so that you can live out his will on earth. When God is in you, his fire burns in you. And, and with this righteous indignation and people have to come to grips with this. Because some of us are saying, I believe in God but I don't see the need to speak out. How can you see what's happening and God be in you and all you do is pray. 
How can you see what's happening? Do you realize that watching George Floyd on that ground with that police officer's knee on his neck, I think it was the left knee, had to be the left knee, on his neck, standing up with his hand in his pocket, looking around like I've, I've, I've now killed my prey. I've dominated. And for, for pause this broadcast for, I think, almost nine minutes. He stayed there with his knee on that man's neck while a human being cried out, I can't breathe. And he had no compassion. He had no humanity. He showed no humanity. That man laid there and died. And to see that touched the heart of people who God lived in to say, we cannot bear to allow this kind of thing to continue to happen in this country. But God takes us further. That picture was worth 10,000 words. But God was waking this nation up to the injustices of people who've not been able to breathe for hundreds of years. And not just people in America, people around the world who've not been able to breathe for hundreds of years. They put a cap on you, on us. You can go so far. You can be qualified for a job. A white person that's not qualified can come and get that job that you were qualified for all because of the color of your skin. And it's easy to say that was not the reason. We've been struggling to breathe for hundreds of years in this nation. But God used this image of inhumanity you say that we're savages. What did that show? Right. We say that we, that you call us apes and monkeys. What does that show? What does it show when a young man can be running in a neighborhood in America and be hunted down and shot because of the color of his skin and you use a law to protect yourself? Not just one time. Not just one time. What does it say? When an entire when entire communities have been wiped out at your hands and at the hands of your ancestors because they wanted their right to be human. And to be free in America. What does it say when your president says, I want to have my first rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma on June 19th? What does it say? Thank God he changed. Thank God somebody spoke to him and said, you don't need to do this. What does it say about inhumanity? 
What does it say? You say God is in you. You say God is in you. You say you are born again. You say you love the Lord. You go to the church house and you sing your wonderful songs. Oh, how I love Jesus. You know, you sing your one. If you love Jesus, you love me. And you don't love me just in words. You love me in deed. Love me in deed. Say you love me. So young people, you all are too young to remember when, unless you saw the movie, The Help. You don't remember when sometimes the only job our people had was to go and take care of their children. So, so our mothers were good enough to, to cook your food and, 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 and watch your children and bathe your children. I need to say this one off camera, <laughs> but we won't, we, won't put, we won't say it right now because you have to edit this one out. But there's a part in that movie that just makes me smile. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying it was right, but Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. What does it say when you say you love Jesus? And you have a voice in the United States of America. You go to the polls and you vote, but you put in place and you support the systems that have dehumanized human beings in this country alone. But yet you say you love Jesus. But the true Jesus, the genuine Jesus, the Jesus who is God who has come in the flesh, puts a fire in us to fight for racial equality and justice and equity in these United States of America and around the world. Our voices are being heard around the world. It takes the fire of God, and I want to tell you that that's what it's going to take for you not to give up, right? Yeah. Then, then, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, it's the fire of God that becomes our motivation. Yes, ultimately, this fight is God's fight, all right? We, but we are his vessels. We are his instruments in the struggle. God in us will keep us motivated. God in us will keep us on fire. God in us will keep us in passion. That's why this movement has not died. It may have been quiet for a little while, but it didn't die. Amen. It may have been quiet because many of us, we came into mainstream America. We started making it. We started going to the, to, the, to the wonderful schools that only white people could go to at one time. We started rising up in society, and we forgot that there were a whole lot of us that had not yet arrived. Then some of us were still looking for Martin Luther King. I reminded somebody the other day, well, when you look at the Bible, you see Moses, you see Joshua, but after Joshua, you only see judges until David is, is, is raised up as a king. So we shouldn't be looking for another Martin Luther King. Everywhere you are, you need to speak up for, right, for righteousness and justice and equality. You need to challenge the thoughts, processes of people who do not understand what this is really all about, who are rooted and ingrained in a system that has limited their thinking and limited their perspective everywhere you are. 
everywhere. Even sometimes your good people that you love so much, sometimes their perspectives needs to be changed. Yeah. Secondly, as we continue, if we're to continue this fight, we have to remember those who fought this battle but have gone on to heaven. That's part of the motivation. You want to be motivated? Remember those. Now look, the writer of Hebrews, as he writes chapter 12, he talks about this great cloud of witnesses in the faith, amen, that we are surrounded by. It's like there is a heavenly host of witnesses in the faith that are cheering us on in this faith, in the struggle that we're engaged in against the enemy. It is a fight of faith. And there are these people who've lived and died in faith that are surrounding us and cheering us on. Well, I tell you, I was looking for an answer in the scripture, and this was part of the motivation. This was part of the motivation. The faith was not just for one generation. It was not just for Abraham, but it was for Isaac. It was for Jacob. And if we're in Christ, then we're the seed of Abraham, and we're heirs according to the promise. So if Abraham is the father of faith, of the faith, he's not just the father of the Jews, but because we've been engrafted into the tree, he's the father of the Gentiles in faith as well. He's, the, he's our father in the faith. So it's not just a generational thing. It was not just for one generation. Okay, it was for gener successive generations. And we have to remember that. All right? It's the faith of my ancestors my, 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 my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my, 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 my parents that have fueled my faith. You, you don't know how many times I didn't know my great-grandparents, but I used to sit on my grandmother's porch and listen to her talk about the faith. I see her read her Sunday school book, and I would sit there, and she would just start telling me stuff that, that happened and, and talked about the church and talked about people uh, who, who lived in faith and talked about the songs that they sang. And sometimes, you know, because she wasn't very well educated, she didn't use the words that we used, and, and, and she, didn't, she didn't, uh, not, didn't necessarily talk about faith per se, but she was talking about faith. And that stirred my faith. Even when it comes to death and dying, I used to hear my grandmother talk about death and dying in the Lord. And it stirred my faith. So, so it was not just for her generation, but it's for her children's generation. It's for my generation. It's for my son's generation. It's for, for his children's generation and, and his children's children's generation. Are you hearing me? And it's the same with this struggle for racial equality and justice. It didn't start in this generation. It started way back in the days of slavery, probably before then, when people on slave ships would jump overboard because they would rather die than live at the hands of cruel people who snatched them away from their homeland and their families and tied them down, shackled them, bound them up in ship, in, 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 little, uh, in the middle passages, in those little places in the ships, back to back like sardines in a can. They would rather die in the ocean than live at the hands of those cruel people. It started, it started way back then. 
Yeah, it started on plantations with those who risked their lives to run away, not even knowing where they were going. It started with slave rebellions with people like Nat Turner and, and the Haitian rebellion led by Tussaud uh, L'Overture and Samuel Sharp in the Jamaican Baptist War and Rosa Parks and, 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 and Martin Luther King and many, many more, some of them lesser known people. That's where it started. It's generational. And we have to remember them. My wife talks about when the Ku Klux Klan, Klan came to their house because her parents' name were on the, on the voter registration roll. She talks about the church she grew up in being burned, bombed by the Klan. Generational. Listen, I didn't experience that in Blair. But I experienced racism in black. It's generational. I didn't have to experience all of that in my community to know that it was true. This is generational. And we have to remember those who've gone on before us, who've died, who gave their lives in the struggle. Yeah, we got to, it'll give you motivation. It'll give you motivation. It'll give you motivation. You think about those little girls that died when their church was bombed in, in Selma, Alabama. You think about all those people that they sick the dogs on, trying to march for freedom and justice. It'll give you motivation. It'll stir up righteous indignation in you. Our young people need to know this. We need to see the movies. That's why, and I say this jokingly, but it does. It creates anger in me when I watch, when I watch um, Just Mercy. Is that the name of it? Yeah. When I watched Just Mercy the other day, I'd never seen it before. When I watched it the other day, it brought tears to my eyes, but it started making me angry to see that truth could be told and the justice system and the people leading the justice system would ignore the truth to kill a man, to satisfy not even looking for justice but because they didn't bring up all of the hurt and pain that would have caused that man's, that girl's family. What about this man's family who had done no wrong? People are people. It creates anger. But I realize that it's righteous indignation. And that's what we got to realize. As we remember those things, we're not out here to burn down your building. But it's righteous indignation. We want to burn down that hatred in your heart. We want to uproot that evilness that's in your heart. We want to cause you to see the partiality that, you've, that you have been because of the color of our skin. Are y'all listening to me? Young people, I hope you're hearing. You may not understand yet, but keep on living. You'll understand. You may not have experienced. Preferably, you won't experience some of the things some of us have experienced. But keep on living. Keep on living. You see, somebody said the other day, children not, are not born racist. They learn. So, yeah, you're playing with your little white friends. They're playing with their little black friends. And there's no racism involved. But for some people, as you get older, then that starts to be filtered in by what's said to their child. The separation that's made between you and them. We know it. We've experienced it. We've lived it. Some of them don't really want you, your little black person, to date their white sons and daughters. 
They don't want you to do it. Still today. Why? People are people. Why would the senator of Ohio say what he said? That the virus may be spreading, is it because among black people more because black people don't wash their hands as much as other people? And, and I said then, and I, I didn't want to post this on Facebook, and I'm not going to say everything right now because I know I have some of my white brothers and sisters listening to me. But if they only knew, If they only knew, and you know the rest of it, you understand what I'm saying? You don't understand. If they only knew what we thought about their cleanliness, now you make me say it because you didn't understand. You should have said, I understand. But we thought when we clean our houses and we wash our hands. I tell you, since this virus, I think I sanitized my hands. My hands were peeling one day. This is just, just washing over and over, but it's just a general practice. When I go to the restroom, before I come out, I wash my hands. Overwhelmingly, I see people who go to the men's room and use the bathroom and come out and do not wash their hands and they are not my skin color. Overwhelmingly. And I pay attention to it. And you better be careful when you go to restaurants. Overwhelmingly, cleanliness. When our parents taught us to clean, use Clorox, put a little bit of bleach in that water, kill those germs. You washing dishes, you might. Am I getting way past time? Okay. Thank you. It's about an hour. Bless the Lord. So, 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 so we got to remember all of this stuff. Remember those in the fight. Lastly, lastly, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Why do you say last week we said keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because you need to see his character. You need to see his culture. You need to see his way. You need to see his will. But at this point, look at Jesus. What, is, what, is, what does Paul say about Jesus? He said, I'm going to get there and read it, and I promise you this part won't be long. He said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you become weary and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. So I look at Jesus now. Because I need a pitch of endurance. I need a pitch of endurance against the cruelty, against the hatred, against the meanness. I need a picture of endurance in the midst of the struggle. Jesus gives me that picture. He shows me what it is to endure because he goes to the cross in a struggle against sin. He dies in a struggle against sin to fulfill the will of God, but we're benefited from it. So, if I'm to remain impassionate 
in this struggle. And it's going to be a long, you think it's been long and hard. Prayerfully, we're seeing a break in this thing. But it's not over yet. Because you don't really know what's in people's hearts. I share with our, there's a committee now in York that's working on some things. And and, in a call just this week, I shared with them uh, as they were preparing to move forward with some things. I said, well, you know, this group really needs to talk because I, I need to know what's in your heart. I need to know if you're really committed to the change. You see, this, this goes deeper than just the death of George Floyd. It goes much deeper than the death of George Floyd. And the church can't stop talking about this. I know probably some of you wish, Pastor, you need to go and talk about something else. Well, anyhow, you ain't called me, so I'm, I'm going to talk about what the Lord told me to talk about. It goes deeper. And so before we just deal with police brutality only, don't limit this. Let's hear the cries of the people. Let's hear the heart of God. And I need to know what's in your heart as to whether you're willing to go the length of this with us. But for us, you got to see Jesus in this. Not just see his, his will, not just see his way, not just see his culture, but you got to see how he endured. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. He endured. He went through. What are you willing to go through in the struggle? This is what the, in the early days of the civil rights movement, this is what they had to consider. Maybe we don't really think, think so. What are you willing to endure if you're going to go the length? If you're going to, if you're going to, this is not, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Young people, what are you willing to endure? What are you willing to challenge? How are you willing to accept challenge and love and respond appropriately? Even in the church. If it sounds like I'm preaching racism, I'm not preaching racism. I'm trying to speak the truth in love. And you can't speak the truth in love without giving examples of evil. You can't do it. You can't do it. And you can't just point out my sin and my shortcomings when you have sinned. Before you get the speck out of another person's eye, get that boat out of your eye or that beam out of your eye. So there's a challenge on both sides. And I pray that we're hearing today. I pray that the world is hearing. I am not the only person speaking this. I am not the only person speaking this. And I don't collaborate with pastors around the world. Some of you have heard some things that I started speaking way back in March, I believe it was, or, or, or April. And you heard those things on Facebook and other people started saying it. It's not just me. Is this the time? Is this God's time? Is this God's time? Let's stand. Father, word, 
Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us today. God, we are engaged in a struggle on two fronts, but it's really based on one front. It's a struggle against evil. Help us to see our place. Help us to engage in the struggle from your vantage point and to trust you for your wisdom and your guidance as to how we're to move forward. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your wisdom. Everything that your presence brings. Dear God, that we will be vessels in your hands, not simply to help us, but to help all humanity come to the knowledge of the truth so that freedom will reign from every mountaintop in every valley, across every ocean, across every sea. Thank you, Lord, that you're willing to upset the apple cart. You're willing to dispossess people from the lands so that your people might inherit what you have ordained for them to inherit. God, we're not asking you to do our will. We humbly submit to you that your will might be done. Use us in the process. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that brings us to the end of the message for today. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well. And give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.